Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special flagship edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and I am joined by Fergus, and I'm just going to skip all the usual formalities today because, Fergus, we have so much to talk about. Like, first of all, Bayern Munich are Bundesliga champions. What do you think of that? It feels quite, what's the word, like deflated, like a muted title celebration. Yes, we won. Yes, we went through all these emotions, but it still doesn't feel super satisfying because there was just a feeling this season. Neither Bayern nor Dortmund wanted to win the title. Dortmund had many chances in the last few weeks. They bottled it again today. I'm not I'm not saying I'm feeling bad about winning, but I'm not feeling ecstatic like I probably should be. Well, for me, since since it's literally just we're recording this maybe half an hour since full time. So for me, the emotions haven't worn off yet. I'll probably feel the same way as you maybe give it a week or two. But right now I am genuinely so I'm not sure I'm saying going to say happy, but I am relieved that we won because like we were really heading towards a really depressing outcome. And it said we, we did salvage a little bit of pride and the game itself, the game itself was not great in my opinion, but but we got the job done. What, what do you think about the game yourself? Yeah, I think we saw the XG graphic. I think we lost on XG in this match, or at least it was tight, but it just showed, and I think we had someone in the Slack chat of Bavarian Football Works writers said we only had four shots in this game, but it shows that we still are without a proper striker for most of this game. We still can't really create many chances, but there was also a bad mentality, I thought, during this game. we. Once we did go that 1-0 up and we saw the Dortmund game situation, we kind of didn't really attack. It seemed like Leroy Sané was the only player trying to score goals, trying to get forward, trying to have an impetus. And then it cost us when Kralon scored the equaliser. And it's just because of Musiala magic that we um, that we won the game in the end. But I thought it was poor from Thomas Tuchel to bring Thomas Muller off when you needed his organisation oh, and started. his leadership right at that moment. And the also decision-making. But... See, Thomas Muller would not like stop trying like Gnabry and some of the other players did. Sané was doing his best, but I think that that was a bad decision, but also just the game plan. The players kind of switched off after we got that goal. We could have and we should have pushed for the second. There were so many wide open spaces in the cone back line where it was only Sané there, but why is no one else going forward? I really thought that it was quite... It was quite... Um, it was very bad from Bayern to not put the game to bed earlier. Yeah, it was kind of a weirdly passive performance from Bayern, wasn't it? Because, like, you think about how much of, like, how many chances Colin had and how many times they managed to get into our final third. It's not really a surprise that we conceded a goal the way that we did with Gnabry getting a handball in the box. Like, I'm surprised that we didn't concede more, honestly. Today, the defense was also, they looked a little bit, like, a lot more shaky, in fact, than I have ever seen them. Matthias Delict, especially, I thought that this was one of his... I, I, I'm not really sure what to say. One of his least convincing performances of the year, like in 2023 so far, he's been so solid. But th- today, he looked like he had a mistake or two in him. Same goes for Upamecano and Pavard as well. Pavard was very close to giving away another penalty compared to like what happened, what, what's last week? Yeah, it was last week. So like, it's just one of those weird mentality issues. And like, we've seen it under Nagelsmann and Tuchel this season. It's just Bayern Munich don't seem to have that like what would you call it like remember under Hansi Flick we used to be able to claw games back when we took the lead we would literally crush teams into dust we don't seem to have that thing with us anymore and I don't know what you'd call it but we don't we don't have it and because of that I'm really genuinely surprised that we still managed to win a title this season I don't know what that says about the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, no, it's about we don't we like that ruthless mentality we had on the flick, and that's why we've seen all these statistics in the past few weeks that Bayern would be tenth in the Bundesliga table if they counted second halves or things like that, because this Bayern team is susceptible to conceding. But it's also, as you said, it's not scoring those goals which would put comebacks to bed. So it's really, I think, a lack of the offensive power. Um, in this squad since we've had no number nine, but also just the mentality of the players and maybe the mentality of the coaching decision. See, this is it's not just all on the players. Tuchel must have said something, relax guys, don't try and force it, don't attack too much. And that's why we were passive in this game, in my opinion. So I think the mentality needs to change. We need to start going 100% like Hansi Flick believed in to try and kill these games off, in my opinion. Yeah, because this team does not really do well with that kind of sit back, control the game kind of mentality. Because, like, I guess it might have worked for Tuchel at Chelsea because they had that kind of DNA with them. Regardless of what you think about Chelsea, they do have a reputation for being a more defensively oriented team. And it's understandable that when Tuchel went there, he was able to get them to perform that way. But at Bayern Munich, we are always about intensity, intensity, intensity. And the intensity levels have been like so low since Thomas Tuchel took over and that's one of the key differences I would note compared to him and Nagelsmann like mentality issues aside Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich has had so many problems with scoring goals and it's not just like I don't think you can just blame the lack of a number nine anymore he has so many issues with his selection his in-game substitutions today like you look at how late Muziala and Tell came on and subbing off Thomas Muller which I just don't get like to Muller was not doing well in offense i admit that i will admit that first time today but he was making crucial interceptions at the back like maybe that penalty doesn't happen if muller is there to head it away instead of Gnabry or something like that i mean this is these are big ifs and what whatnots but we've seen what what can happen when you sub thomas muller off early when you're leading one nil i mean ask you pankis Yes, and I think actually it's a very interesting point that you just said that Bayern don't really have like the players or the type of mentality to sit back and control games. And it's true. If you look at Tuchel under Chelsea, he has Jorginho, Kovacic in defense. These guys are able to keep the ball. But in Bayern, just the very nature of the 4-2-3-1 is not really a formation for control. That would be more of a 4-3-3 with the central midfielders. But Muller's going to lose the ball, or those attackers are all going to lose the ball. Koman, Sané, they're not people who can keep the ball well. So it's a formation where you just have to keep on attacking, go for more goals. And also even the other centre mids, Graven Birch, yes, maybe he he's a Kovacic type, so he doesn't lose the ball, but Goretzka would lose the ball. And the other centre mids partnering Kimmich. So that's... What the crux of the issue is, this Bayern team just can't be that dominating, controlling team, but it has to go all out in in attack. But as you as you said, also Tuchel's Tuchel's offense, we we're losing games, we're losing many games on XG. How many games under Tuchel has has been a convincing like win or a four 0 win? There's, I don't think I can count any. Only two. Even though we have luckily won some games, they've been razor like a 2-1 win over Freiburg, those type of razor-thin margins. Yeah, our only convincing games, in my opinion, were versus Dortmund, his first game in charge, and versus Schalke, which is kind of funny. We beat both sides of the Revia Derby convincingly, and every other game against, I mean, under Tuchel has been either a nail-biter or a complete disaster. So, like, going into next season, I'm not confident. I am not confident in this guy, and... I just don't like what I've seen. At this point, I can say that I've seen enough from Thomas Tuchel to say that I don't 
think that he is the right guy for Bayern. And I know that I have said that I wanted Tuchel to come in after Nagelsmann, Zach Nagelsmann bringing Tuchel. But look, like I have my record on coaching hires is so bad that at this point you should like take any coaching hire I mention with a grain of salt because I'm the guy who wanted Nagelsmann as well. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I'm very disappointed in what Thomas Tuchel is doing. And let's just talk about um, Tuchel next season. I think that with the new board coming in, of course, uh, Tuchel yeah. is in trouble next season because the current, the new people in charge will have seen that Tuchel's performances are not convincing at all. The style of play, yes, we won the league title, but just the style of play, the uh, the goal scored is not convincing. So honestly, if we see one of those October slumps that Bayern Munich are so famous for, I think Tuchel could go. Yeah, I honestly agree. I I don't think that Tuchel is going to survive next October because that's when that's the moment that makes or breaks most buying coaches. Nagelsmann survived, but Nagelsmann survived almost like against the grain because normally when a coach has results like he did back last autumn, they get sacked and he didn't, but the writing was kind of on the wall for the rest of the season. Speaking of which, I just like, I guess we do want to talk about the board then, because that is the main topic that everyone's going to be focusing on. Yes, we won the Bundesliga title, but Khan and Brazo, they appear to have gotten sacked, sacked at halftime almost, because the news broke before Bayern Munich were even champions. Like, uh, and every single outlet got it at the same time. It was AZ uh, reporting it first, and then kicker build all of them just piled on so it's basically official so i don't know what do you think about the timing of the sacking first of all let's go with that so the timing of the sacking is interesting i've read some things which said they might have been sacked yesterday and of course it was very curious that khan wasn't at the game speculation that yes he might have had a cold but also speculation that that wasn't true and that maybe he's just not at the game because he knew he was being sacked so i'd just like to extend an olive branch to uh, Brazo, because even though I don't really like him, I don't like his decisions, at least um, I think he probably knew he was being sacked. I think Khan knew they were being sacked, and that's why he wasn't at the game today. But at least Brazo turned up, was still celebrating the goals, and um, there can be some respect in that regard. Yeah, I think that's fair. For me, honestly, I think like this is just kind of epitomizes the ruthlessness at play at Bayern Munich. Like when people, when Nagelsmann got sh- sacked, I know it was shocking. And especially shocking for people who only know about Bayern Munich tangentially. But I was not necessarily surprised by the move because it seemed like something that Bayern Munich would do. The timing was a bit weird, but given the results, I understood that it was going to like it. It it was a decision that made some kind of sense. Like it, you could justify it. And at the time, I also said that if that decision doesn't work out, the board is completely screwed because it's their decision. And here are the consequences. You cannot say that Bayern Munich, uh, the board, have escaped consequences. The guys who were responsible for this, they are gone. They have fallen on the sword. And it just feels a little bit like, it's a little bit tragic, really, because they kind of did. <laughs> they kind of did this because they took a calculated risk, but they were really bad at math. I mean, here, here, here is what that leads to. And I wonder if this will affect any future boards coming in. Maybe not Hernes and Rubenigga. I'm glad they're coming in because they at least know how this thing works. But after that, I don't know. I, I feel like this failed transition to a new board is really going to cost us somewhere in the long run. I can see us having an FC Barcelona moment someday. 
Yes, and also the new people who are, yeah, we'll have Rumanisher and Hermes probably acting as at least some sort of supervisors, unless they, one of them might even come back as the CEO, we don't know. Unlikely though, but the people they uh, employ instead of them, like um, the financial officer currently, he's removed to be the new CEO, yeah, right? Yeah, and Christian Dreesen, yeah. Yeah, so... I think I've heard other people say this, but he he's just going to probably be a puppet for Hernes yep. or Rumanisha to spray their agenda um, onto Bayern. And it's a real worry, actually. Hernes and Rumanisha are, are getting older. Yes, they they are so experienced and they've been in charge for so long, but we did need um, to move on. And that's why I'm worried that even with someone like Dresden, who's, uh, who's not a young chap, it's signaling that we're not able to move on. At least someone like Brazo, yes, he had mistakes, but say he was good, at least he's young, he can lead the club into the future and he can take his own ideas. But now we're just stuck in the old age thinking that we've been stuck in for many, many years. There's no new blood coming in. There's no new um, new younger ideas coming into the club, I feel like. Well, that's, that is a fair assessment, but I'm just going to... Uh, give the counterpoint to that, which is first of all, when Rubeniger and Hernes retired, they were they retired at their peak. They were very successful. Hernes retired, I think, like well, stepped down technically when he was what it was one year after the trouble, and Rubeniger not long after. So it was like, how should I say it? They did not seem like they were done with Bayern Munich when they stepped down. They just decided to pass the baton on to the next generation while they while Bayern Munich at least seemed like they were in a good position. And now two years on, we are in a complete crisis. We did win the Bundesliga somehow, 11 consecutive titles somehow. But in spite of that, this upcoming summer seems like it's going to be the most challenging one Bayern Munich have ever faced. And given that these are the two players, sorry, the two people that always used to go back to you, Pinkis, and always call on him to come back and save the club, even in his retirement. I think it's quite appropriate that they came out of their own retirements to come back and save the club. And it's good that they show that they are capable of doing that. Now, as for new ideas and new blood, I think new blood is necessarily overrated. The only thing I'm worried about is the fact that they are quite old. You don't want a guy in his 80s to be the complete cornerstone of your entire billion dollar organization i mean like come on you know you know what you know it's obvious right like there is there are limits to how long the human body can hold up in such a big stressful job so like it's it's devastating that Bayern munich did not manage to make the transition to khan and brazo in charge but also i think that khan and brazo kind of proved that they were the wrong people for the job so in that sense i think this was the right move it was the right move for the future of the club because making a wrong decision now just to get the decision over with i think is a worse idea than for example sacking them and kicking the transition somewhere down the line where we might still get it right if i'm making sense yeah, I think that in the short-term future, it's clear that Rumanisha and Hernes are probably the best people to lead the club. But as you say, long-term, we do have very big worries. But also, even let's just look back a few years ago to like 2019 or 2018. Yes, we we had that treble winning season or the sextuple winning season with Hansi Flick. And we'll credit that to Rumanisha and Hernes and those guys. But... 
there was, remember back to those summers, 2019, summer or 2018 or 2017, we were not very happy with the signings that Bayern was making. We were not very happy with the direction of the club. I would even say that maybe Hansi Flick, um, yes, we had a good squad in that year, but maybe Hansi Flick just brought it all together in a sort of miracle way, but it wasn't like, I think that we were, us Bayern fans were already having problems with Rumenische and Hernes in, in those type of years. And now it's five years on. I'm just concerned about uh, whether they still have it, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of like, I kind of reminded of what happened at FC Barcelona because you, do you remember their first, their second treble, I mean, that they won with the MSN attack? Right. Mm. Back then, it was Jose Maria Bartomeu in charge. It was his first season, I think, in charge as president. And there was actually a vote of no confidence. Like, sorry, not a vote of no confidence. There was an election called and he won that. He ended up winning that by a landslide because of Barcelona's treble win that year. We know how that ended because he ended up being the worst ever president Barcelona have ever had. He almost ended up destroying the club on his way out. So, like... It can be said that troubles do hide some, like they can hide some signs of decline under previous management. We've seen it at Barcelona. We've seen it arguably at Inter as well. And maybe that could be happening to Bayern Munich. But I think the club still has a certain degree of stubbornness and a certain degree of institutional strength that is going to protect us in the long run. Like you just tell me, like, would you bet against Bayern Munich, you know, I won't talk about the summary. Would you bet against Bayern Munich having another Bundesliga title on their laps come next, like this time next season? No, I wouldn't bet against that. And yes, even though I do question whether Rumenische and Hernes in their time right now are are going to be very high level, they're never going to be at the bottom of you uh, type levels because they've just been in the game for too long and they've been yeah, at I such didn't know a what high they're level. Doing, yeah. For, for too long so they have some they definitely have some semblance that they're not gonna run the club into the ground and also as we've seen in their past leadership 2012 when we lost all these titles i think yes we won the title here but we won it on the last day with a few big strokes of luck i think that we will see heavy investment in the summer and i think that they are really gonna try and right the ship and try and get us back onto the correct course you know, that's an interesting thing since you mentioned the summer. I'm going to talk about this topic because according to reports, now that Brazil is gone, Bayern Munich have no plans to hire a new sporting director. Right. The report that I saw said that it's going to be a three-man team. It's going to be Tuchel, Rummenigge, and Hernes deciding on transfers the next season. And I don't know about you, but that that worries me a little bit because the last time Bayern Munich had a summer without, like, technically two summers without a sporting director was back when Matthias Sammer was... Um, like he stepped down due to health issues. And back then, I remember those summers. I remember, first of all, that was when Carlo Ancelotti came in. And it was kind of thought that, yeah, Bayern Munich would be able to do just fine without a proper sporting director because we had football people in charge. And for a time, it seemed true because we did have some good signings come in. We bought Matt Hummels. We bought Renato Sanchez, like at the time who was insanely highly rated, especially it looked like a masterstroke after the Euros. But then we saw what a disaster that season was under Carlo Ancelotti. Then comes next summer. This is before Brazil was hired, by the way. We had, what, Hamas Rodriguez kind of brought in, but not many of the issues in the squad really addressed from last season. And in the end, Carlo got sacked a few months into that 
that upcoming season and the board had to go back to you pinkus to save them and he did save them but it does tell me that hernes and rumenega may not be the guys to you know direct a summer this important and then there's tuko tuko at chelsea he literally said that he did not want to be in charge of transfers right the reason that he got sacked is because burley wanted him to be like almost like a sporting director in addition to being a coach and tuko didn't want any of that and now we are putting up a plan that involves him making key transfer decisions isn't this the same mistake we made with Nagelsmann where we gave him too much power over transfers and it just came back to bite us like where are the lessons being learned here yeah well i think that if Tuchel really is part of a three man team with Rinish and Hernes it's such a mistake because Tuchel yeah. the chances he lasts um the full next season is is quite low i would say I mean, it was low to begin with. I mean, come on. They gave him a three-year contract for a reason. They know. They know, right? He's getting sacked. They know he's getting sacked. Yeah, they know. (laughs) So, and also, that's what you were saying earlier. With Nagelsmann, there was that massive five-year contract, but also that that exorbitant 20 or 25 million euro fee that they paid for him. It was always hanging over them. And it meant that even with the October slump that probably could have got him sacked, he didn't get sacked or he didn't get sacked after the Villarreal performance, which would have got Niko Kovac sacked, for example. So I think that they are prepared to sack Tuchel. They gave him the three-year contract. It probably will be less expensive than sacking Nagelsmann. Um, But yes, basically, you can't give Tuchel any power in the transfer decision-making. But let's actually talk about one other thing. In the squad, you mentioned we need the big summer. And I've said, I've, I also said that we are going to have a big summer. But do we actually even need one? Because in my eyes, we have a good squad that could probably compete through all the titles if we just had a striker and possibly a defensive midfielder. That's pretty much what I uh, do I did say that in our last podcast, okay? So, like, we're not very far from the top of Europe. I cannot actually say that there are three squads better than ours in Europe. I can say that maybe Real Madrid are better than us and Manchester City definitely better than us, but we can still surpass them. So all we need is a striker and a midfielder, right? That's that's it. And in that sense, I do kind of trust Brazo. Sorry, why, why did I... He's still in my mind, you see? I trust Ruben again early to get that done. It's just a question of who are we going to sign and if that guy is going to be the right profile. For example, what if we get Randall Kolomani and he's not the right guy? And what if Tupel says we want, he wants to sign Vlaovic and he ends up being as bad as he has been at Juventus? Not everyone can be a delict. Those are the questions that keep coming into my mind about this summer. It's a big summer because it kind of is the difference, in my opinion, between Bayern Munich winning trouble next season and Bayern Munich potentially going another season just barely winning the Bundesliga and nothing else which for most teams I think they would take that but we are buying Munich and we have higher standards and I think with the squad the way it is right now we should be aiming quite high especially as long as Thomas Muller and Manuel Neuer are still around those two legends they are still performing and I think that while they're still around we should be leveraging them and trying to win at least another Champions League title at least I want Thomas Muller to win another Champions League title before he leaves the club yeah, so do I. I think that uh, it's a needed thing, and leveraging these players, these are one in a one of a kind, one in a once in a generation players in Muller and Neuer, and they they've been at the club for so long, we don't have to pay any more for them. So you're right in saying that we really do need to make use of really the final latter stages of these guys' careers, because once they retire, then we may not be as top class of a team. But right now, we have really the chance to build that Champions League 
uh, winning squad and use their experience. Yep. Do you think that the new board, they are going to be as, how should I say it? They're going to be as keen to spend as the old board was because the last two transfer windows, I think they were pretty, they were pretty big in terms of what the board decided to outlay for transfers. Compare that to this season. We do need, I think, a large net spend. We need we need to probably get a striker and a striker is going to be very expensive. I'm right? thinking at least 100 million. And then the DM, you keep hearing about Declan Rice and how he's so expensive, but anyone else will probably be a decent DM for Bayern Munich will probably cost in the range of 50 to 60 million. So like, do you think this board is going to be willing to take that shot? Because they have been accused, like these guys, right before we won the treble, they were accused of underspending a lot. And that's the main criticism that was leveled at Hunnis and Rubinigger, that they did not open the purse strings when they needed to. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think that will continue. We heard so many rumors in recent weeks. Oh, yes, Bayern are going to spend that 100 million on the striker and things like that. But that was the old board and uh, Ruminischer, Hernes, they're going to save money. They're not going to spend exorbitant fees. And I think they think that these like 100 million, 120, 150 million type players are not worth it. So I'm worried that because they are now in charge and given that the old boards, I think probably would have spent big, um, but these new, the new guys coming in, I, I'm worried that we won't get that striker that we actually need um to challenge in the next season yeah that's that is the main worry and i wonder if that was actually a factor in getting conan brazzer sacked because they may have submitted a plan for next season that may have been a bit too expensive for the supervisory board to stomach especially after the failure with nagelsmann so this might have been as big a factor as well anything else that we saw say for example on the pitch because you can't really say that conan brazzer were coaching the team on the pitch you can say that maybe it was the coach's fault but when it comes to everything else yeah, perhaps. Like, there is only one thing that Bayern indicates more than losing, and that's spending too much money. And, well, we have been spending a lot lately, and on, on a lot of duds as well, like Sabitzer, Mane, my goodness. Sure, and actually, I've just I've just been reading because the news is coming out. Too cool said yeah. that he was informed yesterday that Khan and Brazo had been sacked, but also... Ah, okay, so it is I, completely official. I think it's, it's completely official. It's been press release from Bayern, but... Oliver Kahn uh-huh. also put out a statement about 10 minutes ago and, and was I did a Google Translate yeah, I'm looking on his this. I'm and looking he said at this. that he wow. was forbidden from coming to the okay. match. I thought it was just wow. one of these Google Translate errors, wow. but Aimea Samia has also they, they, translated yeah, they have said that. Uh, yeah, as forbidden. I'm, I'm so what are your thoughts on I that? I literally logged on to, I don't know, like this is insane. I kind of regret doing this like so soon after the game now because it's turning into almost a live reaction, but we have no one listening live. So uh, that's funny. I, I don't I don't think they should have deprived him of that. You know, th- that's kind of classless. But then again, like it was kind of a weird Red Wedding X situation here where the team, like, again, it was leaked in the media before the club made it official, which is becoming a bit of a pattern here by using leaks constantly to manipulate the media before something happens. It's just like, it makes you wonder about the club's culture, right? There is no downside to being classy and Bayern Munich have lacked a lot of class lately. Nagelsmann sacking and now Khan going in this way. We're burning a lot of bridges and it's going to come back on us at some point. These kinds of things do come around. You start to get a reputation for them. And that's just like, why did they have to do this? What what was the point? What did they achieve by doing this? Brazo was there, wasn't he? 
Like, why? Yeah, well, I, I didn't understand the decision to have Raza there and not Khan there. But it just, it doesn't make any any sense. And actually, it's funny that Tuchel at Chelsea uh, was in the dumpster fire when Roman Abramovich was having to leave the club and then they get new owners and also with the Ru- Russia sanctions initially before they got their new owners. But now he's at his new club and it's another dumpster fire. Where, yeah, where maybe, maybe, maybe Tuchel is just cursed. Yeah. Perhaps. Like, it's it's really, it's really crazy. And this just proves that Bayern Munich are the real FC Hollywood, right? Like, Barcelona, they have nothing on this. They they spent an entire summer talking about Divas. Who, who cares about that? This is real drama. This is real, real Game of Thrones-esque drama, isn't it? Yes. And this is also to have Ruminisha and Hernes, the granddaddies of the club, to, taking over again. It's just... It's, it's classic. It's, it's classic Bayern. It's classic Bayern because yeah, classic. what do we do? But what do we do when we are in crisis? We always go back to the guys that have always done it for us. On the pitch, it's always been something like putting Thomas Muller back in, and when it comes to coaches, we bring back Juventus. And now, when it comes to the board, bring back Hernandez and This is Mia San Mia at this point. Yes, agreed. Okay, so just to give you guys an update on what's going on here, we took a little bit of a break after our first Zoom meeting expired to just look at all the new breaking news. And yeah, Oliver Kahn did in fact say that he was forbidden from attending the game today, which is nuts. It makes me wonder if there was much more going on behind the scenes than we might have previously thought because Brazil was there. Second thing that we found out is that according to Thomas Muller, the players had no idea that this was going down and they only found out after the final whistle. He didn't give any more opinions beyond that, or at least none that we have seen yet. I imagine the players will be talking to some PR reps before they give any opinions on that. So yeah, you can wait for that. And I think that the main thing that we need to discuss now, like right now that we don't have any more information except for what we've been told in the first few hours after the sacking, is how is history going to remember Oliver Khan and Hasan Salihamidzic? Let's first, let's start with Khan, how do you think he's going to be remembered and his time as CEO is going to be remembered? So Khan joined, was it in the summer of 21? I think so, yeah. So I think so. he's had two full seasons at the club. We've had those two title wins, but I think Khan, more than Brazo, will have a tainted reputation as his leadership at the helm had just quite a few failings, Nagelsmann's appointment and sacking. Even the end of Brazo, Ethan, sorry, not the end of Brazo, because uh, even the end of Hansi Flick's reign, for example, and Lewandowski's departure, Herman Gerland, all of these people, their departures. I think that I don't think history looks favorably on Khan. I think Khan uh, just simply hasn't done a good job, hasn't kept that family feel in the club, but also hasn't like kept the relationships with important people at the club, like Lewandowski or Nagelsmann or. Um, this type of thing and the leadership under him yes maybe it's not all his fault but he at the end of the day is CEO he should be um, the boss basically and there's just been failings like even the way they handled Nagelsmann's departure even the way that you say there have been lots of leaks in the club and the way they handle contract negotiations or all these type of things it's just amateurish and um, I don't think history will look favorably yeah if you think about it like this is I just look back now. I think about all the signs that were there. There was that moment in the Bayern documentary. Remember the one, the one that everyone talks about. Where Bayern, uh, like Oliver Kahn, suddenly comes in with this, like he's our new CEO, and he's talking about a new FC Bayern and a new way forward. And it's just such corporate nonsense that 
like Chuck is often called out on these podcasts and he's completely right. And that was, I think, the first real sign of some trouble. Then there was the way Hansi Flick left. And you can say that, and a lot of people have said this, that Hansi had his head turned by the DFB and that's why he left. But he's not the only one that they alienated in those discussions. There was also Herman Gerland, who has been at this club for as long as like I can remember. Like He's as responsible for this club's current success and this last 11 years of title-winning success as pretty much anyone I can think of, because he's the guy who brought through some of our best players in this generation. And when he left, he explicitly noted that the coaching staff was mistreated by the board. And that, I think, should have been our biggest red flag. I think it went a little bit undernoticed at the time because we were still, like, we, there was still a little bit of a prevailing anti-flick sentiment and people were still happy with what Nagelsmann was doing. But now, looking back on it, we really should have been tipped off that things were really not harmonious at Bayern Munich. And this is not just something that happened in the last three months, starting with the rash firing of Julian Nagelsmann that... Most reports indicate that Oliver Kahn was the chief architect of. This is not something that started that. It's something that has been brewing. And it's certainly, it's almost like a volcano that the pressure built up. And suddenly it just blew its top. Yeah, it's not just the decisions that are bad, but it's the way that everything is handled at the club. Um, you mentioned Herman Gerland, but also let's not forget Miroslav Klose, also yeah, part exactly. of Hansi Flick's team. And he was scathing in his reports about the club saying that the former feeling at the club, something along these lines, is lost, is not there with the new management team. And yes, we should have thought at that point that um, that really this new board are just mistreating all situations, mistreating the club's like associations with the press, mistreating the club's employees, how they treat people. And all these things have a tunneling effect, which will just lead to bad things for Bayern in the future. I think a lot of that can be put on Khan as CEO because he is, in the end, the guy in charge. It doesn't feel like Herbert Heiner really does anything. So, like, at least not on the sports side of things, which is the part that we as fans care about. We don't necessarily care about how much money Bayern Munich makes in a year unless that money is being used on transfers. So, Oliver Khan is going to be remembered, I think, as the scapegoat for this season and for these the lack of success in these last two years. What about Brazil? What about Brazil? Because he's been around for a while. He's been around since Ancelotti was in charge. Yes, yeah, so, well, RLD, uh, com- uh, writer on Bavarian Football Works, had the writer's roundtable a few days ago, and they were asking who should leave the club. And I said Brazo should be top of the list because, uh, yes, maybe Khan is responsible for this lack of, like, this lack of just nice energy in the team. But Brazo also just has made so many enemies back in 2019, 2018, there are all the reports of how he was feuding with all the other clubs, sporting directors, and all of this type of thing based on his negotiation method. Yes, he's had a couple of hits, but it's so antagonistic and so off-putting to, yeah. to many people. That's what it feels like from the outside. We don't know, but it just feels like Brazo is not a super pleasant person to be around, and that's seeped into the whole culture of Bayern. And on the other hand, he does seem to have a very keen eye for talent. Like, I can't deny that. He's the guy He's the guy who discovered and brought in Alfonso Davies. He's the guy who decided to bring in Muziala. Like, a lot of his big signings as well. He was right about Lucas Hernandez. He is probably one of our best defenders. Same thing goes for Matias Delic. So while they were expensive, they were the right signings, in my opinion. So it's not like Brazo 
his entire career is littered with misses. He, he has quite a few hits in there as well. It's just going to be the question of whether those hits justify, well, everything else, really. You mentioned his relations with other clubs. You could say that those things improved as time went on because, remember, he had those feuds with Manchester City and Chelsea and PSG and all those while we were trying to get, uh, we were trying to sign their players. But then you look at last summer, we signed you, Matthias Tillich from Juventus, not even a word in the media, not, nothing from the clubs. It, it was done quickly, efficiently, and well, you can only credit him for that. Same thing goes for signing Sadio Mane from Liverpool. What has ended up with the Sadio Mane transfer? That is like a different discussion. But when it comes to actually negotiating the transfer and getting it done, we got a very good deal, a very cheap deal. And well, we kept it quiet and Liverpool don't seem to be very upset with us. They seem to be quite happy with the negotiations and how everything was done. So in that sense, you could say that Brazo was on the ascendancy and now he's gone. And now whoever comes in next, in my opinion, is going to have to relearn those ropes unless it's someone who already knows the job. Someone like, I don't know, uh, Max Everl, who has been linked with us for years and years. But now he's Everl is at RB Leipzig, so he's completely out of reach. So who else would be available? Something like Michael Edwards or something? I, I I'll tell you Sammer is probably the best one. Sammer after... Do you think he'd come back? Because... Like, I don't think he would, but I don't think, yeah. If, if he if he wanted to, and also take him, I think he's in a maybe a reduced role or not quite a full sporting director role, maybe just an advisor at Dortmund. But if he would come back, I think that he knows the club. He has a good eye for talent. He's had a good track record. I think he would be a good good one. Yeah, I I can't argue with that because we think he'd be a good one because he has done it before at this club. He used to be our sporting director, and he did get Dortmund very close to a title this year which maybe part of that is down to behind being terrible, but also like is Dortmund getting Dortmund close to a title seems like a pretty big task for any. Sure. But I am, so, cons- yeah. I am concerned that the club, like even in the recent weeks, we talk about the leagues there, there have been some rumblings that even like iron Robin could take over as sporting director. And that yeah, just seems that's, like such that's just, yeah, even Schweinsteiger someone, has been yeah. mentioned. It's like, what are they doing? Like, what are they talking about? Because, at least when Khan took over, he had a business background when he took over, right? And that's why we thought he might be good. So what what background does Robin have for him to take over as a sporting director? I I don't get it. He does he, as far as I know, he's not he's not been doing anything post career that would suggest he is ready to step into a role like this. And the same thing goes for Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger has only been a pundit on various news channels. He's not exactly like been involved in football and Chinese analysis leaves a little bit to be desired, even on punditry. So are these, yeah, are they, it's, it's yeah exactly. It's, it's not boring. really great. So, yeah. So it's, it's worrying when you see those names being mentioned. I like that Bayern Munich have a tradition of having ex players being in charge of these football positions, right? Because it's kind of a good mix of technocrats and ex players at the club, guys like Dreesen and then Rummenigge, they can work together and give us the whole package really. But like, that doesn't mean that just any expert should be allowed to, I don't know, should be allowed to be that kind of what it should be put in that position. Maybe if it was someone like Philip Lam, who I have misgivings about, but at least Lam has shown a certain acumen for those kinds of political or networking deals. And he is in charge of the DFB's uh, upcoming, the Euros. So he does have some degree of experience in something related to management. So maybe Philip Lam, if he were mentioned, but 
otherwise like these reports are deeply concerning and that makes me yeah, wonder it feels like yeah. very barcelona meme club yeah exactly it's it's, it's kind of like robin yeah, and it's it's, like, it's not like robin even seems like a for example seems like a player who would be like he has no experience in the role but even even then it's not like he would be a player that you would think of would have great talent identification and then schweinsteiger with his bad takes in the media like it's just it's it's so concerning for the future of that club that it does appear that these guys are maybe even being considered for these positions. But what does that say about the this decision making of like Heiner or those type of people? Yeah, because if you think about it, like Khan and Brazil, we're talking here about their failures, but they were chosen by the previous board. It's not like they ousted them. They were anointed as successors. So their failure is as much on the previous board as it is on them. Not necessarily as much. I, I kind of am overstating that a little, but their failure is part of the board not handling the transition as smoothly as they would have liked. And well, this comes back to the general topic of transitions at Bayern. We handle coaching transitions very poorly. Player transitions always take a little bit of it. A little bit of time and here we are with the board which seems to be the most painful one ever because you can't just wait six months and then get rid of a board member because the results aren't imminent you need at least two years to understand what kind of impact a person at the top level is having and then if you sack him at that point then you need another two years to evaluate the next guy if you have two failures in a row you're suddenly four years off the pace and completely off the top so this is a very high stakes thing that's why I kind of am glad that Rumenig and Hernes are stepping in to stabilize the ship a little, you know, get us back on firm footing before they try to step down again. But it's also concerning because our golden generation is almost gone. Neuer and Muller, how many more years do they have that? Not many. And Kimmich, I don't know about him. I have had my misgivings about him all, all season, not necessarily in terms of his performances, but in terms of his ability to be a cornerstone of a new side. Muziano today, he was he won us a Bundesliga title today, but like he still has a little bit of development left to go. And like he's not ready to be that star, that guy just yet. So what does that leave us in terms of the future? I think there's a lot uncertain, not necessarily uncertain in next season. I think we'll be fine next season and maybe even the season after that. But then what about after that? What about 2025 and beyond? That is my concern. Yeah, I guess in 2025 beyond, we need these players like Musiala, Davies to become the new Muller, to become the new Noyers of the team. But that said, say even Musiala, Davies, even if they get really good, are I don't feel like they are that type of commanding presence that Muller, Neuer, Philipp Lahm, Schweinsteiger was in the past. And I don't think Kimmich is that guy, quite frankly. So I think we might need some delict is someone delict, you can exactly. I was presence. going to mention that's true. Yeah, delict can be that type of commanding presence, but we might need some like a center mid signing at least in the next few years to who's a real commander. Like we do talk about Declan Rice, but he would be a good player at an exorbitant fee. Or we need a really commanding world class striker, not just a Randall Kolomuani. Like maybe him if he becomes really good, but. A Lewandowski level player, like someone or Benzema, someone who can really strike fear into the hearts of the opponents again. Exactly. Like that is pretty much it just comes back all of this comes back to results on the pitch, right? And in the end, the board, like we may discuss this till the comments come on what the board did, how they did it, this, that, and the other thing. What will be remembered and what will be forgotten? But in the end, 
it doesn't matter unless the results are there on the pitch. If we win, say, for example, a treble a year from now, all of this will be forgotten, in my opinion. It will be remembered as a dark period, but it will be talked about kind of like how Klinsmann's time at Bayern Munich is talked about as a bad joke or a bad a bad dream, something that didn't really happen, you know? I think yeah. success, yeah, success just heals all those wounds. And I think if we are successful, I think at least those questions will be put to bed for a little while. But while we are not, I think it's still important to be aware of the potential pitfalls because the last thing we should do right now is get complacent, especially since we won the league. Like right now, we should really be putting our time in. And this is something I will miss about Brazo is that when it came to crunch time in the summers, he really did do his homework. He really did put in the time to negotiate and look for right players. And you got the sense that he was really doing a lot of stuff, right? And I think that's reflected in his youth player signings, guys like Tell, Moziala, Fonzi. He seemed to know his thing when it came to that. So this is what the board is going to need to do. This is what they're going to need to figure out. And if we get some short-term success, that just stabilizes things so that we can try again to find a long-term solution. Yep. I'm just trying to think if we missed any talks. Oh, yeah, there was one topic I wanted to ask about. There were reports that Davies and his agent, they were waiting. They had good contract talks with Bayern, but they were waiting for Brazo and his the outcome of his job to decide if they would extend or not. Do you think that this could cost us in terms of players like Muziala and Davies who were brought in by Brazo and saw him as their main guy at the club? I think it can cost, but also just the general like feeling of nothing is certain and there's lots yeah. of people in these top positions moving around. We also had reports of Kimmich being very worried about the club's sporting um, like direction and how the higher-ups are being treated. So Davies, Musiala, yeah, maybe, um, maybe Brazil was important contact points for them, but I think that we should also be worried that Kimmich is going to try and leave the club uh, yes, we have these meme Barcelona rumours, but it actually is a very true possibility, I think. And I think Kimmich, especially Kimmich, going into his prime years, 28, 29, 30, will be very worried and want to jump ship, basically, if he doesn't feel the club is being read by, led by the right people and led uh, with continuity. continuity. Yep. And I guess that all comes back to the topic of success, right? If you're successful, everything's fine. If you're not, oh boy. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's pretty much all we had to talk about. And thank you for listening. This was Bavarian Podcast Works. I need your name at Fergus. You can find us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. We are on every single podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. You can find our full coverage of the game and this Brazocon news on our blog, BavarianFootballWorks.com. And that's pretty much all we have to say. So thank you for listening and good night. Enjoy the title.